We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, Shriners Hospital for Children Open. We'll just call it the Shriners from here on out. That's much, much easier. DraftKings picks and previews and bets towards the end. I mean, it's very early in the week. You don't need to get everything in if you're ever looking for my betting cheat sheet for golf filled of losers the past two weeks, but a winner of the week before. So, you know, you're up a little bit. That's always nice. Uh, you can find that on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash the PME on Wednesday. My DraftKings cheat sheet will appear Tuesday on dkplaybook.com if you're interested in checking that out. What you really want to do is become a member at fantasynational.com. That way you can use all the tools, all the stats, the lineup generator, the ownership projections, the tournament simulator, and just make your own picks. Uh, that seems to work out much better for people than actually just tailing me but either way joining me on the show to break this all down from awesomeo.com is banraza or raza as i like to say but you're not the one i should be talking to alex won all the monies last week in golf the boss man uh had a good one yeah he he had quite a team it, not only did he win he won going away which in a large field tournament is something you rarely if ever say yeah so awesomeo himself he won the eight dollar you said he won the 33 too I, I think he had the same team in there, which was just a dominant domination station. Yeah, it, it's funny. Like, uh, I always have my FOMO bets. And the moment that Cuss reverse cursed Cameron Champ and gave up on his career, he got added to the list. But then I just completely forgot about adding him. So that was stupid on my part. Here I am betting List and Siwoo, and I'm supposed to bet Champ. And then I forget to bet Champ, and he wins. Sad. Yeah, I, I you know, shout out to Fantasy Golf Man, who I do my Tuesday show with. He got me on a little Champ. Uh, convinced me to roster him a bit wasn't enough because guys like Grio, Burgoon, uh, a lot of the gang could not find the weekend, which is brutal. Yeah, in, in the giant GPP, I had a team that ended up coming top 500 with five of six because Emiliano Grio blew up my week. Uh, because for whatever reason, I'm looking at him again this week. It's like, man, if you could just putt this week, it'd be great. He's now lost almost 20 strokes putting over his last four events. And he's missing cuts in there. He's not even getting all four rounds. Yeah, it's in some ways almost more impressive that he can lose so many in only 36 holes. But 
uh, not lying. I'm looking at him a little bit too for Shriners. It's hard. You just can't quit the guy because his ball striking is so good. And once we kind of dig into the tournament here at TPC Summerlin, it's at elevation, so you don't necessarily need to be a bomber. But just go back and look at the players that finish inside the top 10 at this course every year. And it's good off the tee, good irons, and maybe you make a few putts. That That's the entire game plan here. It really is. Uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen Bryson Cantlay recent years and certainly going back. That is the formula that makes for some egregious tilting guys that you can look to. So... We'll see. I mean, I, I've been. I wanted to ask you, what do, have you been enjoying the the lower six of six with the new cut rules? So I wanted to dig into this with you a little bit because at Cut Sweats on Twitter, Nelson's bot that tweets everything out to tell you the percentages. <laughs> the one thing that I've noticed through the first three weeks, and like I've really been struggling to get six of six through, but it's not just me. Like the six of six percentages through the first three weeks, at least in like the giant eight dollar, which the majority of people are playing, it's like four percent of people getting six six of six through like who knew chopping those like five spots off would have such a high impact but if you look at it cat like cash game lineups are the ones getting six to six through at almost like double that rate so maybe balanced safe is the way to go here so far that's been the theme um yeah certainly i've i always check out cut sweats and yeah it does seem like you know right now you're the more risk reward it's not paying off but again you know, it's a fluid situation and you're trying to find some upside in there, but it's incredible. You chop five guys off and certainly the ties are making the impact, but six of six, it's, you you get one or two teams through, even in a bunch of them, you're doing uh, better than the field most likely. Last two weeks, I submitted 20 teams and I have yet to get a six of six through and had like eight guys finish just off the cut number. It's incredibly tilting. So hopefully I can narrow down the core a little bit more this week, sneak like two or three of them through. And all of a sudden, like you're live at that point to win if you have a six of six with so few people, unless, you know, all of a sudden this week it's a spike up to like 30 or something like that. But if it remains around three, 4%, like it really doesn't matter. These six guys you have through enough work can be done on the weekend, knowing that there's no MDF. So the six of six is actually even more valuable than it was before. Oh, it's gigantic. Like you just said, there's no Saturday cut. Uh, Most of these swing season events are birdie fests, which means your guys can go out early on Saturday and fire a 64 vault up the leaderboard it you get six or six through you are in contention regardless of where you stand after Friday did you follow were you following the Safeway at all over the weekend because I kind of like wasn't paying attention on Saturday morning you know Scott Piercy shot 80 on Saturday so I saw him you know his scorecard had had the colors where you're like oh I didn't even know that was a color because he made like a nine um I was watching a little. I saw Munoz shoot up the board, uh, a couple of things like that. Leishman, of course, just once I gave up on him. But I, I didn't check. It seemed like Champ had it kind of in hand on Sunday. I, I was hoping because I had an outright bet on Morikawa. Uh, he was sort of like my, my favorite of the high-end guys. And I thought he was going to make a run, and just he stalled on the weekend. It was weird. Like, he got himself to, I think, 12 under. And then he went, like, bogey, par on the par five, bogey, par on the par five to end Saturday. And it was like, what are you doing, man? Like you were, you were having a good week. You were right in this. You're probably the best player who's double digits under par right now, except for Justin Thomas. Like you could have put yourself in this and he just went away. It was really surprising. It was a weird, I felt like that happened with a lot. You know, Bryson was one of those where he was, he shot up the leaderboard and then kind of just slowly fell back. Uh, You know, to a lesser extent, Bud Cauley was a guy that I, I was certainly rooting for. He had a terrible Sunday and that's what you get with swing season. You know, you, you kind of have to live with it, but it's not, not bad. I mean, I, I like to see some of the big names are making the tracks to some of these events. Yeah. This field is incredibly loaded, uh, especially yeah, at the top. At all. I, I did just want to talk about Piercy for a second though. Uh, he, this is his like home course. Basically it's a, it's Vegas. That's where he's from. He went to UNLV. I believe him and Adam Scott, UNLV guys, but he has three top tens and seven starts here. He's made six to seven cuts. And one of the things that I really like to do on fantasy national is look at like the round by round stuff, which you can do. So if you just click on like the rounds next to them, it just shows you what they've done per rounds. He gained on approaches in three of his four rounds he's actually gained nine of his past 10 rounds on approaches yet he lost four in round three like it was just the round from hell like do do you think that's gonna put a lot of people off of him because i can see going back to him this week i think yeah i mean it's gonna be an interesting blend people are gonna look at course history and see that he's got a lot of it and some successful here 
But at the same time last week, his stats were abysmal. Um, and as you mentioned, maybe it was just, you know, a round that got away from him and, and really tainted everything. Cause you said he went, I mean, he shot down the leaderboard in a hurry uh, on the weekend. The putting is what it is with him, but I don't, I don't mind. I could get on a little Scott Piercy this week. No doubt about it. How many of the top players in this field do you think are playing in this event just so they can go to Vegas and gamble? Well, Brooks, so that's 100% one. Well, well, well um, Brooks not only is doing that, he's bringing his brother with him because he has a sponsor's invite to this tournament as well. See, there you go. So, yeah, he, he counts for two right off the bat. Uh, who else? Man, some of these guys, I don't know. Cantley, eh. Bryson, definitely. Webb, definitely not. Um, and <laughs> Woodland, maybe. I don't know. Who else we got? Tony Finau? What do you think about that? It's funny. Cantley? I was I, I was going to like... I, I think he's a Mormon. So. Right, that's the next words in my mouth. He's a Utah guy, so I don't know about that. Yeah, mm. so... but And he just, like... He must have some sort of conviction to play this event because he just played two consecutive weeks in Europe and now he's over here. Yeah, he's been he's been here a lot. Uh, I think he's played this like many, many years in a row, I want to say. So uh, who knows? Maybe Decky's a degenerate gambler. Uh, hopefully he's not betting on himself because he's another one who I can't seem to get right lately. Yeah, let's see. Shriners for, yeah, five years in a row Fino's played it. Made the cut every time. Wasn't all that good last year, but still came T36. That was his second worst finish. So I actually initially wanted to bet him. He's 22 to one. And I just looked at the feel like Brooks being here has pushed everyone way down the betting board, which is really nice. It just can't lay as such an albatross at the top. Like I'm probably going to go full fade on him on DraftKings. He's 12 to one to win, but he's come first and second the last two years here. Yeah, there's no denying. I mean, in his brief uh, course history, he's just torn this place apart, ball striking, and then even, you know, just to dig into him a little, we saw him in the swing season already and he just, you know, uneventful, but he couldn't putt. So he's going to his preferred surface. It's hard not to like him, but I do agree in the betting market, having Brooks as a lightning rod uh, pushes everybody down. And we've already seen, you know, the swing season, traditionally it's those not all first time winners, but a lot of guys can kind of break through and punch their ticket. Oh, I got a guy this week. But my first bet on the board is one of those guys. So maybe I'll reveal that here in a second. He's a very nice price on DraftKings too. But let's talk about the course, TPC mm. Summerlin. It's at elevation. It's in Vegas in the desert. The rough is dry. You can get through it pretty quickly. Like 7,255 yards is somewhat misleading because it's not going to play as long as that. However, it's not necessarily a bomber's course. Like Bryson and Cantley have won the past two years, but like Webb has won here in the past. Kevin Na, another UNLV guy, has won here in the past. So almost any sort of skill set. Like if you're going, you, you want to gain strokes off the tee. If you're going to go with a shorter hitter, you better make sure that they're the like Francesco Molinari mold, obviously, where you can still gain strokes off the tee, despite not being the super longest hitter. Accuracy makes up for a lot of that or being able to position the ball properly. But irons and driving, the two things that you need to know. Shorter, Short-ish par fours, that has really correlated well from what I found. Uh, 400 to 450 yards or six of them on the course. So, And you can eagle some of these par fives and almost anyone can eagle them as well. I think there was 40 between the three par fives over the past few years. So basically, we just what it boils down to every week who's gonna ball strike the best and you hope they get lucky with the putter is that what we're going with that's what we're going with uh you know when i looked at the course certainly we've seen it enough to kind of know it's not tricky it's just it is what it is it's not going to play long you have options you don't need to to be aggressive but you have the luxury of being able to pull driver in some of these if you want to and then yeah like you said they're big greens you should be able to hit them bent grass you hope to get lucky and you got to make them because this is going to be pending that we don't have any wind uh, scores are going to be pretty good. For it, sure. it, it, we have seen it get windy at this course before, but I don't see anything in the forecast on a Monday right now. So that's not really telling the viewers anything out there. I would yeah. check in on it, but it, honestly, like, if someone was telling me this the other day, like I only really track wind for like wave stacks to try to get people through the cut or to play first round leader, or it's particularly informative for like showdown purposes. If the morning on Saturday is going to be fine, then it's a disaster later. You can just load up on the early guys and round three showdown or round four showdown. But someone was like, well, it's going to be windy on saturday afternoon so i don't want any of the leaders going out it's like what are you talking about you don't want any of the leaders like that makes no fucking sense <laughs> yeah no don't that, that's next level thinking one step ahead two steps behind style um like you said first round leaders showdown those are things where 
you can kind of hone in. And as we've seen kind of the last couple of weeks, I know on some of the shows that I've been doing, we've gotten a little tripped up by the weather, you know, thinking, oh man, it's going to be this massive wave split and it doesn't always materialize. So we have to monitor it, but we don't need to overhaul our lineups. And it's especially in this part of the year where they do seem to divvy up the very top end players between the AM and PM wave for TV purposes that that can severely affect like a wave stack because the talent gap between these top guys and the bottom guys is so vast that even if the good players are in the bad wave, they're still just the best players. So they're going to play better than the bad players in the good wave. No doubt. Yeah. It's not all just because of weather. So it's, it's like I said, we've seen it. Maybe something will come up, but right now that's not even remotely on my mind. Uh, we got enough to break down without the weather. So let's talk about these guys above $10,000. Brooks is the most expensive. He's 11.7. Probably going to be out on that. Cantley at 11.1. Bryson at 10.7. Webb and Adam Scott are the five guys above $10,000. There's 144 players in the field this week, too. Top 65 and ties will advance to the weekend. That's, I mean, it's better than the 156. Gives you more of a chance to get six of six through. But if you had to go with one of these guys, and I'm not even sure I do want to go with them because I've looked at the $6,000 range and it's not pretty, but Cantlay is like the chalk pick, but it might be good enough. Scott, I kind of like. I like how he was striking the ball. He couldn't drive the ball all that well, but the irons were pretty fire last week. Weird, yeah, weird stats. His offensive was actually terrible, but his irons were fantastic, and he is the cheapest of the five. So, you know, it is a situation, and I rarely, I feel like I'm this more minority such stake for me. I actually do like Cantlay, and I know he's going to be the most popular of the five. I usually try to go against the grain, but it just seems like such a great course for him, not just because of how he's finished. It's just his game translates here, the great ball striking. You can get hot with a putter, bent grass. It really checks out. So on certain, certainly on a plenty of my lineups, I'm going to just take the obvious pick up top and work down from there. I think that there is a case to be made to avoid all of the very top guys solely because these balance lineups probably give you better equity, equity to get all six of six through. But if I was to play one, it wouldn't include these guys. I'd play a more balanced lineup. But if I'm going to play 20, I'm going to take a shot on one or two of the plus 10K guys and try to rework my lineups that way. And to give me exposure to these guys in the lower sevens and high sixes, uh, whoever they may be. But I think I do, as a whole, want to go with a more balanced approach this week. It's hard to deny that, you know, in these fields where the bottom drops out, you're really, you know, the opportunity cost of paying up or, or jamming two of these guys is massive. So I, I hear you when we have guys, we haven't talked about them yet, of course, but, you know, Decky, Finau, those types, uh, you save some money and it really helps on that last man in. So I will definitely have lineups that don't have any of these guys, but at the same time, you know, someone like Cantlay can't be ignored. So I ran my custom stat modeling at fantasynational.com. Everyone can go there and make their own. Uh, the only thing that I did is I ran the stats that I want for the Shriners. And the model of the past two years for Shriners has actually been quite good because ball strikers keep doing well. So you just push those guys to the very top. The only thing that I did was remove stats from this tournament uh, as not to impact it and like in, ingrain course history into it. And Cantley still rates out number one. So that's... A perfect way of kind of you just articulate what I tried to and failed. I think Cantley. I wish he almost didn't have good course history here because it would make me, you know, it would drag the ownership down. And his game should translate at this course. When I think about what he excels at, it's a perfect fit. And now the course history pans that out. But just beyond that, it really is a, a spot that I should be willing to buy in. The only thing that would worry me about Scott, and historically he's a very good driver, so it's kind of shocking to see him ranked uh, 62nd in this field over the past 36 rounds off the tee, but he's been like bad four of his past six events off the tee, which is super surprising because long term, like over his like last three years, he gains almost two strokes per event off the tee and now he's losing almost a stroke off the tee over his last five and he's in the negatives over his last 10 so something's a bit off with him that is definitely scary um last week yeah it's it's hard to know what to make of him obviously traditionally the putter you know him switching between the broom and the midget putter is uh always tilting but he needs to sort out off the tee he can get away as you said it's not gonna be super punished if he sprays a little bit but at the same time you can't be 
way offline and expect to get away with it. Yeah, that's what happened to him last week. He was the first round leader. He was driving the ball well. Then he started spraying it off the tee for the final four rounds. He still came T13. But that is, of course, where you can spray it around at Silverado. And he was still managing to hit it into the middle of the trees. That's concern. I mean, the stats, like like you said, the irons were incredible last week. And he still didn't, ultimately, he wasn't really contending at the end because you can't. I mean, that that is a major leak off the tee right now. So I, I'm certainly interested. I just think all in all, you'll probably get a nice ownership discount there. And you save some money. Those are two of the certainly appealing aspects of it. So he's 10,000. Finau is right below him at $9,800. Like I mentioned, coming back from Europe, played there the past two weeks. Then Hideki, Woodland, Morikawa, Neiman at 94. Then last week's winner, Champ, Snedeker, Hadwin, who came second. And Bjorn Hanan, who blew up a ton of lineups last week. Stupid Rick talked me into him. Wasn't going to play him. He's like, and rates out great. I was like, you know what? He does rate out pretty well. I'll use Bjorn Hanan. And he was like four over after four holes. I was like, oh, no, this is just not going in any way how I thought it would. So, I mean, that aligns with how most of my golf picks work. But I think Finau versus Scott is pretty interesting. Like, obviously, Finau has had success at this course, not elite success. I almost, like I said, wanted to bet him at 22-1. to He played really well at Alfred Dunhill last week. He was kind of in the mix until round three at the BMW Championship two weeks ago on the European Tour. But... I could see myself not using Scott Finau, Hideki Woodland, and just starting at Morikawa. I have faith that Morikawa is going to rebound, and I think this is a very nice spot to get back on Neiman. So I'm with I like Finau, as you just mentioned. The you look at the course history; it's been pretty good. He's making the weekends, but when you really dig in, and this is not a huge surprise, but he lost strokes putting in four out of the five times he's been here. The, the irons have been great. Uh, and so it's really, can he get hot one of these times? Eventually, I would say the answer is yes. You mentioned Morikawa. He's just really good. Uh, I yeah, don't know he, what else to say. He, he is. I know there's a lot of good players in this field, but I actually like he's not necessarily undervalued versus the guys above him, but versus the guys below him. Like I know Snedeker is an awesome player. I know Hadwin's an awesome player and Ann and Fratelli and those guys, but it seems like Morikawa is that next guy who's going to take a leap. And when we come back, almost like Cantlay was two years ago, that when we come back to Shriners next year and Morikawa plays, he's going to be like 10, seven. I mean, he, he just seems to have even what, and again, some of this is just noise, but I, I will say Morikawa is one of these guys. It seems like even when he doesn't have it, he finds a way to hang in. He's pretty well-rounded where it's not like, oh, he's great, but he can't scramble or he can't putt. He, he's shown the ability to kind of do it all. Now, the strength is clearly the irons right now, but I, I have no problem with him. I know we briefly touched upon him being awful last week. Do you have any interest in Benny on who traditionally is a, obviously one of the better ball strikers out there? The, yeah, he lost stroke. He lost three and a half strokes off the tee in two rounds. The first time he had lost strokes off the tee since the RBC Heritage the week after the Masters. That it was a string of 13 consecutive events where he had gained off the tee. But he has lost at least a stroke with his irons in three of his past four. Like, it's looking like Sanderson Farms was more of an outlier ball striking and iron performance from him, at least in his recent past, than some sort of trend that he was going to get hot again. He finally, I don't want to say he learned how to putt, but he had been a little better with the putter. Um, that's typical Benny. I uh, can't put it all together. I, yeah, I mean, I guess I, if you, the thing I'll say is if you're going to target him this week, I think it's good that he got cut last week if you don't think there's a problem because the ownership is about to torpedo. If he would have put together another good showing at Safeway, we'd be talking about him as one of the premier chalk options. That's the whole thing. Like I can see jumping back on him because of the recency bias that you talked about, because the ownership's going to come in super low. It's just, I see Morikawa. I see Neiman at 95 and 94 and I don't want to spend 9,000 on. And I just rather have those two guys. Neiman's the tough one for me. I, I mean, we know he's talented. Clearly he already punched a win during the swing season. I'm interested to see kind of, you know, he was great at Sanderson Farms again. Tita T- Green, he just couldn't putt, which had been a problem, but he had run off the streak. He got hot at Greenbrier. That's why he won. Um, I, I still don't love paying the price. Like starting with Neiman, I guess you could do it. But to me, I'm going to probably try to find the money to go up to someone like Morikawa or Finau or honestly bump 
uh, to my second man in and someone like Benny or for Telly. Yeah, like I think that if you go Morikawa and Neiman, that's a, well, those two guys might objectively be singularly popular. Them together, I think, is actually a contrarian build because people will want to get up to the very top. And I just look at Neiman's numbers. Like he lost three and a half strokes putting at Sanderson Farms. The ball striking was off the charts again. It was off the charts when he won at Greenbrier, but he gained eight and a half strokes putting. But he's back on bent grass. Like every time he's on bent grass, he plays well. Bryson's almost kind of the same way that I know like even last week, like you get him, it was Poe last week, but generally when you get him on bent, that's when he gets his wins. Neiman certainly has shown that. I mean, he's still so young, but the talent's there. And he's another candidate. Uh, you know, I know it's hard to project, but it's not impossible that next year around this time, if Neiman was in this field, he's up there with Cantley and Bryson. Uh, he's one of those candidates for sure. So not going to be a popular build if you pair them up. I agree with that as well. If Neiman hadn't played the Sanderson firms, I think he'd be closer to 10,000. I agree with that too. Yeah. And again, that speaks to what I was kind of talking about with Benny on. Um, it's amazing how one, especially when it burns people to the extent that it did with on everybody jumps off and we see how variant it is week to week. So you may be walking into a trap that there's an over looming problem, or you may be getting a discount in ownership on a guy that would fit this course traditionally. So you don't have any interest in Woodland or Matsuyama here? I mean, I, your guess is as good as mine with Decky. I don't know what the problem is. He needs, and not to get crazy because it's only a couple of events and it's the swing season, but it's been a long while since Decky's won, uh, going on years now. And the time is now for him to kind of get back in the upper echelon of players. And he has not, he's just all over the map with his stats. They're just very blah lately. Yeah. His last win was in June of 2017. Yeah, I mean, he, he hasn't won since he lost to, I want to say Justin Thomas in that PGA. Uh, yeah. You know that one? It was like him and Kisner and JT late. He has not won since then. Yeah, that's been a while for him. So, yeah, I, I would, I, I still always like targeting Matsuyama, almost like Xander in a way at no cut events that they just seem to have a better track. Like, I think Hideki's won three WGCs, maybe two of them. Like, it's, it's kind of weird. Well, his, I mean, that time at Bridgestone when he was just Matrix Vision. That was his last. That was his last win. Yeah, that was. He had every bonus on Sunday that you could have. He made like a, a streak with an eagle to go all four rounds <laughs> under seventy and bogey free all at the same time. It was like a thirty point shot. Uh, Snet, would you would you go Snedeker or Hadwin? <sighs> I mean, Sneds is someone that I always have a little interest in because of the way he can putt. But man, he is not doing much. Talk about bad off the tee. He's the opposite of Benny on. He, he pretty much loses every single week uh, and bails himself out with the putter. And Hadwin gained a bunch on approach last week, but he had the hot putter going as well. The problem mm -hmm. with Snedeker, Hadwin, I'll even say Champ, uh, who that rates out pretty well here. I, I don't think anyone's going to play him, me included. And even Ben Ann, who I'm not going to play. The reason to fade those guys is the $8,000 range. And the first four guys that we get to are all extremely playable. Like you have Dylan Fertelli, who you've already brought up. He's $8,900. Then you have Scotty Scheffler, who I just love, is $8,800. Chez Reeve is 87 And my pick to win this event, Jason Kokrak, is $8,600. What? That's the secret guy that you liked? Yeah. Dear God. That's shame. Shame, uh, shame, shame. In in two rounds at the Greenbrier Ben, he gained over four and a half strokes ball striking, but guess what? Couldn't putt. Classic Jason Kokrak stuff. But you mentioned like this is a good spot for guys to get their first win. This seems like a Kokrak type of track. Oh boy. That is not I was Huh. Man, I'm gonna have to look into Kokrak. So you better hope it's not windy. I'll say that because he can't scramble. Um, do you worry a little bit? I'm just kind of digging into looking at his. You worry about him. He's got a ton of appearances here. He really hasn't made any noise. Do you not worry about that? Or do you think there's a particular reason why it hasn't clicked for him here? Well, he has made the cut four consecutive times. Yeah, no good finishes. But I mean, I just assume it's because I'll, if I have, I haven't looked it up. I'm going to go look at his strokes gain numbers. I bet he lost a bunch of strokes putting. 
minus 2.6, minus 1.1, minus 6.2, minus 0.9. Last last year at this event, he gained almost four strokes on approach. The year before, over four strokes on approach. He comes in with good ball striking form. I'm just going to believe the skill set here for Jason Kokrak. You're doing a good job selling me. And I'm, I am a noted Kokrak hater. I may, you know, this is just at first glance, but kind of with Finau, it's very similar in terms of when you look at the course history, it's been lack of putting. They're both aggressive off the tee. Maybe I'll start some teams Finau Kokrak and kind of be aggressive driver correlation. Yeah, I do think that aggressive driving does help you. Obviously, it does get you into trouble. If they do have a good driving week, I think it does set up really well. Do you believe in Fratelli here? Because he did a lot of work with his putter last week on his way to his head. Like he did all his work with his irons at uh, Sanderson Farm. He gained 11 on approach. And last week he gained a stroke and a half on approach and then gained four strokes putting. So the thing I like, it's it's a boom and bust situation with Fratelli. The thing I like about him is that on any given week, he can get crazy hot with any facet of his game. On the flip side, you have no idea where it's going to come from and where it could you could lose it so traditionally strong driver of the ball you just mentioned he gained 11 strokes with the approach two weeks ago and last week he gained four strokes putting um that i think is always makes you live in terms of upside for tournaments but at the same time it's you never really feel great that he fits a course or the game is in a certain shape or condition so the other two guys i mentioned shez has been dialed in ball striking can't make a three-foot putt to save his life so he's going to be back on my radar because, you know, I love taking guys who can't putt. And then Scheffler, like I have three bets in so far this week. Uh, and one is on Kokrak at 50 to one. And the other one's on Scotty Scheffler at 50 to one. Like this guy's going to be really good. And this is a perfect course for him. Scotty Scheffler, just there's nothing bad to say about him. He's he's just been awesome. Uh, we didn't we didn't see him last week, which I kind of like. I feel like maybe people forgot about how good he was playing just fire him up. And I, you know, he's getting a little discount because the fields are stronger. There's no doubt. Uh, but he easily can be, you know, your second or even third, if you go balanced man in a, on a lot of teams. And I think that this top end of the 8k range is better than the bottom end. Cause then you got like CH three, the glove Poston, who's been really good so far. Matthew Wolf, I think, is just an extreme unknown here. Uh, then you have Putnam and Cam Smith. And Cam Smith has been brutal. But for me, like, I want to dig into Poston, but if I want to play those upper-end guys, I probably can't take him. And then I think it comes down to a coin flip between Wolf and Putnam. Putnam's been really solid. And if we're just talking about, like, guys that make cuts, Putnam is, like, sneakily the new CH3. So Put- Putnam is a problem for me because I can't get over how bad he drives the ball. Um, but he gets away with it. He's one of these guys. It's just very atypical. I worry a little that he does most of his damage on Bermuda, especially around the green and with on the putting surface. I think you said it, and we don't know the answer. When we look back at this tournament, Wolf could be easily the most underpriced guy relative to where, where they'll be in a couple of years. Uh, at the same time, he could just be overpriced. We just don't know yet. Uh, it seems like a pretty interesting buy spot, though. Yeah, so in terms of like Putnam, because he's been playing on the Euro Tour too. Like he was twenty first the BM, he was twenty first the BMW PGA Championship. Like he made his way almost through the FedEx Cup playoffs, didn't quite get there. He has missed one cut. Actually, sorry, he hasn't missed a cut since the RBC Heritage. Yeah, that's a long time, and, and it's just amazing because I'm looking right now during that stretch, he's lost off the tee in one, two, three, four, seven out of nine events. Still makes the cuts though. He does, and like, and it's not like the like the putting can spike for him. Like you mentioned, generally on Bermuda, but he's not like a bad over. Like he doesn't. He has one like egregious putting week. That was it, and that was at Travelers. He still makes no. I mean, he he finds a way. There are certain guys. I I kind of that's the Wyndham Clark where it's just like you have Bizarro stats, and you know, with him it's the irons. That's a totally different situation, but. Putnam seems to have a, a formula. I just, I always have trouble getting to him because when I look, he stands out as such an outlier off the tee surrounded by pretty much anyone besides Cam Smith, who's just, that's a whole separate issue too. But I'll probably go to Wolf and, and JT Poston, someone I've, I've been on for a long, long time and he's starting, I'm starting to pay dividends uh, sticking with him. So not sure how many Putnam shares I'll ultimately have. Yeah, I, I think I might be with you. I like Wolf more than I like Putnam. And maybe it's just because if we price this a year from now, Wolf could be the highest price guy in the field for all we know. It's it's That's not what I'm gonna, saying. it's not gonna be Andrew Putnam. 
much yeah can confirm uh much lower variance with putnam is this a bubble course do i even say that i mean you're the bubble whisperer has bubba ever played here uh that was going to be my next question because I, I mean i can look but i, I honestly yes don't he, he played it two years ago and came 51st gained like five strokes off the tee and lost everywhere else uh i'll I'll probably pass on bubba only because piercy is right below him at 7900 bucks and you're not going to need much of piercy i don't think but he is the perfect type of swing season guy you know he can pile up birdies yeah he can shoot 80 but he could just as well shoot 62 the next day again i mean this is what we're trying to embrace with boom bus guys he is the perfect swing season and he gets for an incredible ball striker, he has more variance in his irons than any top ball striker I've seen. He he loses it all the time, but when he is on, uh, that's why you see first-round leader types with him and can get crazy hot. So looking at this kind of upper 7K range, you got him. I'm sticking with Brian Harmon. I don't think it's a great fit, to be honest, but this is just someone that I'm going to continue to play uh, until the price adjusts. Yeah, he has three top 20s and two top 10s in his past four starts, and he's been gaining it everywhere, like ball striking wise. And he hasn't the the Greenbrier. He did have like the pop putting week, but it went along with a good ball striking week. If he could just do that again. I'm not where I'd much rather take Harmon than Ryan Moore. I'll tell you that much because Ryan Moore <laughs> did, did some damage to me last week. <laughs> Ryan Moore is just. God, that guy yeah i have no i'm not going back there I look, i'll tell you i looked closely at answer and god if i make enough teams i'll get a sliver of him because he's off the tee he can really get in there but the rest of his game the irons have been kind of disappointing and i think more people will be gravitating to maybe hv3 who's just a hundred dollars less yeah I, I the decision i have to make this week is whether i'm going to play Grio or not to tell you the truth Again, that's, ball, ball that's striking, top notch. Lost four strokes putting in two rounds, man. Like, it, it's so... I've been there, believe I, me. I, I know he's a bad putter. And the stats show it. And it doesn't really seem to be doing anything. But he gained a stroke at the Travelers. Now, I know that was like five months ago now. Yet somehow that way he lost seven strokes around the greens. Like, I don't get it with him. It's gonna. Ha- it feels like it's going to happen for him. And it's going to click. Like he should almost be like a FOMO bet for me because he's going to come in like 75 to one every single week. But if his game ever does get together, he ball strikes it like an elite level guy. Oh, there's there's no question about that. He's just his putting is so bad right now that even when he does that, it's not even like, oh, he's close to winning. He's just coming in like 30th. <laughs> uh, and that's the scary part. Like it's not even he, you know, his last top 10 was Memorial. Uh, and even then you go before that, he, yeah, he had one, one top 10 in, in 2019, uh, and it was a ninth place finish at Memorial. So this is a guy that has just shown no willpower to get in the mix. And this is from someone who I roster Grio more than anyone. It's a real personal expensive hobby. Uh, cause you just get so sucked in by the ball striking. He just, he cannot find it with the short game or the putter in his past 25 events. He has gained on the greens three times. What else is there to say? Now, he also, I I guess there's no other uh, segue for me to do it. He is priced right next to the actual winner of this tournament, and that's Aaron Aaron Wise. Wise. Yeah, I know. I I, I hear this every week. Yeah, I know. It's true. And eventually, he's going to win again. He's a (laughs) Vegas guy. He went to college in Oregon, but I believe he lives in Vegas. He's played well here. Another good driver of the ball. I like that he played at Sanderson Farms. We saw him a little bit, just couldn't putt. Seventy five hundred, really? I, I thought I feel like that's a clear, clear buy. Yeah, it is, especially when you compare him to his betting odds as well. He's the most mispriced guy, betting odds versus DraftKings price. I'm with you. I like Aaron Wise a lot this week. Um, I also like Jim Furyk at seventy five hundred bucks. Oh yeah, I have no Jim Furyk just does it. Unlike Grio, uh, Jim Furyk is the opposite. He just kind of does his thing, gets through just pretty steady i mean every time i say this i get proven wrong i always still feel like can he give you the placement points i don't you know what you know what i don't care if he gives me the placement points i just want a guy who makes the cut in this range every guy i take in this range misses the cut and it screws me every week (laughs) and that's becoming more and more an optimal strategy with these new cut rules like you tell me he comes in 28th again it is a sign me up situation you'll let someone else do the heavy lifting 
uh, not everyone has to be the hero. I've tentatively put a star next to Griot's name. I am not committing to that yet, but I just want to make sure it's on my radar coming through. We'll end up seeing here. You know, Lucas Beauregard's in this field. I just noticed that. Lucas Beauregard is one of those guys who plays. I, I see him in the event. Like I will look at the Euro leaderboard this upcoming week and he'll somehow be there too. I feel like he's <laughs> everywhere. Um, wherever. Oh, he hasn't played at all. Yeah. So I guess now I he assume put, he's been playing in Europe. Yeah. He made a charge last week at Alfred Dunhill, the tournament. I think he won the year before I actually got a live bet in on him at 40 to one. And then he just tanked on Sunday. Uh, he ended up coming like T 17 or something like that, but he's a really good driver of the ball as well. He there's no doubt about that. Um, another guy in there. I, talk about this all the time i i really believe in taking some of your teams and saying you know what give me all those really solid aggressive ball strikers and then on other teams you know i'm gonna go with um just using russell knox as an example don't get crazy people uh those type of guys who maybe lay back a little further and have longer iron shots coming in yeah let's see what knox has been up to i know he was t15 last week at elford dunhill he was t46 at the bmw championship and he played in the Greenbrier the week before that weird schedule there's a couple guys that are coming back over so knox who played last week in europe finau tom lewis played last week in europe as well it's kind of weird to come over well, to tom play. Lewis, that was a whole bizarre because he won one of the corn ferry events so like he has some status I he, he, he has his card yeah so yeah that's what a what a world um not going there you're not going to phil right that's just like permanent don't go there anymore no i mean why, why not just go with the easy narrative and just take johnny vegas now he'll be doing some gambling obviously on narrative street oh wow you just hold on you skipped over i thought you were gonna give your boy lanto a shout out l- l- can't miss a putt lanto insane insane putting just five six strokes automatic uh, can't do anything else, but you don't need to when you can do that. No, I, I, I listen. I, I don't like his price. Like he shouldn't be seventy two hundred. He should be like sixty five hundred. <laughs> it's it's hard to argue with that. Um, yeah, this is kind of a a, a weird, pretty shady range. If I'm being honest, um, like I, I in- like I said, I actually do like Johnny Vegas. I think what he does well is perfect for this course. Like he's he's, he's another one. He's going to drive the ball a ton. He's going to be aggressive. And even when you look at him last week, he, he ended up losing on approaches, but he gained in three of the four rounds. It was really one bad round on Saturday that killed him. He's been, yeah, I mean, not bringing any news. His short game and his putting don't inspire much confidence. Uh, but, I, but, you know, he's Texas guy, maybe some bent grass. We'll see. Um, and I, honestly, the other thing, so I looked at Nick Watney because he, he was up there for a bit, but he putting. did it all with the putting. All and, putting, yeah. That's not something I'm looking to chase too much. I know he's just a little cheaper. <laughs> talk about he's not to Grio level, but Kyle Stanley, talk about getting sucked in every single week. I told you I bet three guys this week. Kyle, oh boy. Kyle Stanley was the third one. He's 125 to one. I'll be, there's no doubt that I will also have a ticket on him. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I just, you lost six strokes putting last week. In two it's, rounds. In two yeah. rounds. That's that's Grio style. And he gained, you know, a boat five strokes T to green. I mean, this is a guy that we've seen him win before. He can certainly outclass everyone that he's priced with. Now the miscut equity is, I mean, he missed the cut at Sanderson farms and Safeway. What am I saying here? <laughs> but I, I'm still willing to buy on him gains consistently off the tee. I'm, I'm there at flat seven. Yeah. I'm in on that too. Cameron Percy's just playing too well to overlook. So, yeah, kill it's not on Bermuda, so watch no, out. Uh, <laughs> but, but Cam Percy is another one. He's just killing it with his irons right now. You might as well ride that for him. The Stanley thing is interesting, and it didn't occur to me, so I do want to look this up just to make sure that I'm not wrong on this. Now, he won quick. Yeah, he came second there. So the past two winners of this event, Cantlay and Bryson, what do they have in common? What tournament? memorial they both won memorial stanley has great success at memorial with a second oh, yeah. place and third place finish there in the past maybe there is and some seven. correlation between that course and this course okay i did not think of that uh, i'm just proud of myself that i got memorial that was a kind of a shot in the dark um yeah i mean stanley's just a guy i i just look at the talent there and where he's priced and even at Triners, you know he's He's played here, hasn't done much, but we haven't seen the really crisp ball striking that we know is there. 
certainly hasn't putted and that's not to be too shocking. So I'm with you now. I will say you just mentioned Lanto as the extreme putter. Denny McCarthy. I know. I, I fucking looked at him too. I, I've never that played guy, him before. <laughs> insane. It, it happens every week though. <laughs> no, every week he's like, he shoots like 76 on Thursday. And I'm like, oh, wow, nice. 12% of people are just cooked. And then by Friday, he's nine under and he's gained 10 strokes putting. It, it's unbelievable how good of a putter this guy is. What happened to Bud Cully last week? I What happened? I can tell you and sum it up very quickly. I desperately needed him, not only in DFS. I had a big head-to-head against Munoz, um, <laughs> and that ended predictably bad for me. Very bad. But like I look at his finish, like I, I wasn't really tracking him at all. Maybe I'll go to the round per round. But he finished in the ne- he p- finished in the negative off the tee, in the negative on approach, in the negative in putting, and gained five strokes around the green. Yet he still came forty fourth. Noted scrambler. No, he on Saturday, and I don't have it in front of me. If you have the runner out on Saturday, he made a real you know charge. He was playing well, and then Sunday he was. I, I didn't see what he ended up at, but he was four or five over, uh, pretty late in the round. So. Yeah, That's he, where he started losing it. He he gained on approach in each of the first three rounds and lost four strokes on approach on Sunday. Yeah, see, that's not not, great. not the answer. So I, the only reason I brought him up is because I'm looking at the Memorial leaderboard from this year. Adam Scott was second. Adam Scott gained 12 strokes on approach at Memorial <laughs> this year. Uh, that's that's hard to do. Uh, Griot was in the top 10, like you had mentioned. Collie was inside the top 10. And like the other guys, Putnam was 17th. Where was Kokrak? Uh, I don't even know if he played that week. Did he? Yeah, he might have not played. I have no uh, idea. He did. He, he made the cut. He came 62nd. Uh, yeah. So th- that's just interesting to note. Uh, I, mean, I just looked by Tita Green, who's in this field. Poston came 52nd, but was 10th Tita Green that week. He just couldn't make a putt. Uh, Malnati, Ben Ann. Ben Ann, someone who's had success. He was 17th this year. He was second the year before that. So. I don't know if that, I mean, maybe I'm just cherry picking two names and look, thinking just far too much into this just because of Kyle Stanley and I want him to be good. and I'm looking for a reason to be him good for him to be good. But the biggest reason is, is he's striking the ball really, really well. He just can't make a putt. Not atypical for him, but he does putt better on bent grass. He does. And now we're talking about, we are at, certainly at the range where if he makes the weekend, it's a win. Um, your 7,000 place and points are, certainly not a uh, prerequisite to being targeted. So I'm willing to go with a guy like Kyle Stanley every time in that spot. And on the past 36 rounds modeling that I have, Kyle Stanley rates out as the 19th best player in this field. Cameron Percy, the 12th best player in this field. Oh boy. Cameron Percy. Back back to back top 11 finishes against like crappy competition. Uh, Gained six and a half strokes at sanderson gained four and a half last week he's making a few putts let's go cam percy he's australian he is australian okay that's him best cameron uh aussie that we have these days um yeah i mean i I definitely prefer stanley but if i want to mix and match down there there's no doubt that this guy is in form it's someone i certainly don't know a ton about but the stats don't lie that he's playing really good golf Let's drop into the sixes. Uh, Chase Kepka's there. Going to use Chase Kepka. Where is he? He's last. He's six thousand bucks. He needs to just rest up for uh, Zurich when Brooks <laughs> is going to try to drag him to uh, status on tour. It's going to happen one of these years. It's definitely going to happen. Then they're going to change the rule. Uh, uh, so the the other one I really want to talk about sixty one hundred dollars. <laughs> Uh, if you actually look on a per round basis, if you shrink, shrink it down to his past 12 rounds, he rates out third in this field. Unfortunately, he's been out with an injury since withdrawing from the CJ Cup in 2017. But Graham Dillette is back. The I first, know. I... It's the first event he's played in two years. And like we talk about the Ben Ann's of the world, like before anyone ever like looked at stats, like when when. No, I feel like no one really cared about strokes gain stats or anything like that until DraftKings golf actually became a thing. Graham Dillette was the poster child of Team Can't Putt when DraftKings golf first started. Yeah, he he's certainly one of the original, and not even just can't putt. He cannot scramble. Um, can't chip Graham Dillette. So it's welcome back. It's been a long time. Uh, what what it, it was? It was a back issue. 
Yeah, he had basically the same thing that Tiger had, but apparently he didn't have the same access to surgery as Tiger. <laughs> yeah, that sounds very shady. Uh, but no, it's good to have him back. I knew you would be excited uh, as a fellow Canadian. This 6K range, yeah, I mean... Like, would, I would, would you take a chance on him? If he's healthy and he's playing, no. I know he hasn't played in two years, but like he does exactly what you want him to do for this course. Or at least he did do exactly what you wanted him to do for this course. That's the problem. I think that it, I, I'm just not right out of the gate. That would be incredibly impressive uh, for him to produce anything. I, it's a long time. That is a long way away from uh, competitive golf. Uh, in his last weighted event, he gained nine strokes on approach. Yeah, That was back when I was rolling in the, uh, believe me, I can tell you firsthand, that was a long time ago. Uh, actual guys we can use from down here. We talked about all the European players. Kurt, uh, Kurt Kitayama is just randomly over here playing in this event. Uh, a guy who's won three times, uh, over in Europe and the Asian tour over the past two years. He's a good player. He's made three cuts in a row over there. Uh, since the British, he played the Porsche did well there. And he made two more cuts the past two weeks that he's $6,300. Like if you base his DraftKings price versus his world ranking, he's actually quite good. No doubt about that. Now we see Alex Noren has torpedoed that forever, that strategy. But this is a guy that I've hey, targeted in Europe in, a lot. In, fa- in fairness, that strategy won me 20K when I had Satashi Kodaira. <laughs> yes, yeah, Satoshi really, it's true. He balanced out Noren. Um, I believe th- he's an American, is he not? He is American, yeah. Yeah. So he's a guy, like you said, he has won some tournaments over in Europe. Clearly, the strength of the fields is different, but we saw him, you know, I'm just looking, obviously, I didn't know this. He played in Puerto Rico and played well, grabbed the top 20 a couple years ago. Uh, it's someone, if I had to go down here, he would be he would be in the mix. Now, there's a couple other guys when we talk about Max Homa, Sepp Straka, that they were in the sevens not too long ago, and I may look to them, but that is an interesting name if you're looking for someone that not a lot of people are going to know who they are. So the problem with Straka is that he has been bad like really that's bad true. recently he missed four cuts in a row like that that's not great seb what about oh god i, I got no. my guy I, I i you know what you didn't say it but i i think we're like linked right now that's is it sixty four hundred dollars it is sixty four hundred dollars is it zing zoo zang it is it's the chinese bad boy the there Chi- it is the chinese cheater he has been fire with his irons i'm using me sixty four hundred bucks let's go he gained a cross, you know, it's only one tournament, but I always love, it's hard not to love when you look at a guy and he just gained across the board at Safeway, uh, grabbed seventh and he was just, yeah, no doubt about it. So I don't know what to make of this guy. I mean, he has no success whatsoever when you look historically, but again, this is the swing season. He may be in form and at this price range, what are you really sacrificing? There's not a ton to like down here using him and you can sneak him through gives you access to two 10k guys like if you want to use cantley and scott or cantley and finau or whatever you can do that if you use zing zoo zang zing zoo zang uh i will say part of me just wants to be smart and just pay a hundred dollars more for doc redman who he missed a cut last week but he's just good i think yeah i agree like 6500 for him, no problem with that hey, price. Look, man, I got a star next to his name. I got him rated 29th in this field. I'm definitely using Doc Redman. He was one of those guys that missed the missed the cut on the number last week who really put the screws to me. But <laughs> either way, I'm willing to... Listen, if you're talking about like $6,000 players, they're going to miss cuts. Like, that's just the reality of it. Uh, at least take a shot on a guy like... Both these guys could get placement points. Like, it, it's funny. When we talk about these like mid $7,000 guys or low $7,000 guys, I'm not super concerned about their placement points. I want them for the cut equity, but the rosters that I construct around these guys, I know they can spike in terms of DraftKings scoring. So that's something that I've talked a lot about over at Osimo with some of the subs that in swing season events, you really don't know who is going to do the heavy lifting. And not that you do for a hundred percent anytime, but this is the time of the year where you're absolutely right. You can get someone down here who can spike a, a big finish. And, you know, one of your top end guys coming in 12th, it's not ideal, but it doesn't mean that you're dead and buried. So I looked at guys like that. Harry Higgs is another young guy who's. He's you know, on the, he I, we're on exactly the same page this week. Yeah, so we're, we're toast. It's yeah. not good, but he's yeah. 6,700. I mean, just responded really nicely last week. Quality player that he could easily get in the mix. 
The only other two that I really wanted to talk about, I mean, I don't want to talk about Andrew Landry. I gave up on him last week and he was first round leader, which really, which really guts me. But I'm probably going to go back to Burgoon. <laughs> he was, I really thought he was going to sneak in. Um, and then he just didn't. Uh, I, I 6,900, he's certainly in a price range where you can make a case. He just so, ugh, and Ben Grass doesn't look great for him, but you know what? I, I may take a stab or two just because I do think he's got some upside. And the only other one from down here is Mark Hubba Hubbard. Guy gains Ooh. on approaches. He had the one bad week, the week that I used him two weeks ago at Sanderson Farms, but he's played three events in the swing season and he's come inside the top 15 twice. So Hubbard is a name that I didn't look at. Where is he? Uh, 6,400 or 6,500? Yeah, 6,400 oh, with Taylor Gooch. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I'd rather, I'd, I would rather play him than Gooch. I, I, I would say that too, just looking at it now, he did gain, <laughs> gained a boatload on the greens, but traditionally, as you said, he's gaining with the irons consistently. So that's, you know, when we get down there, I always take the approach, give me a guy who can do one thing, you know, somewhat consistent or somewhat like spectacular. I, I don't care if you're not going to find well-rounded golfers in the low sixes. No, but if you are just trying to target one specific thing, and let's, I'd say that past 36 rounds is a reasonable enough sample, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. So guys that rate out inside the top 10 of key stats that I'm looking at. Now, one is Graham Dillette for approach, but he hasn't played in two years, so you probably don't want to go down that route. The next closest one is Matt Every is inside the top 10 in this field and par fours from 400 to 450 yards. Seb or Scott Brown is 10th in par five scoring over the past 36 rounds. Seb Straka is sixth in strokes gained off the tee. Fabian Gomez is eighth in strokes gained around the green. Then we have, let's see here. There was one who double popped. Oh, it was Doc Redmond. He's top 10 in strokes gained off the tee and top 10 in par fours gained 400 to 450 yards. Ryan Armour is fourth in those short par fours. Andrew Landry is third in those short par fours. Charlie Hoffman is seventh in those short par fours. Then you have like Wyndham Clark is second in par five scoring. And then the last guy is Keith Mitchell, who's fourth in strokes gained off the tee. Like those are the guys who kind of pop. And that's, again, you're going to be able to build through some of those. Now you don't want to, you got to be careful unless you're making 150. You don't want to be taking too many stabs down here, but you have some narratives. You have a couple guys that fit nicely. It's wide open. I know there's some win equity up top. The fields are getting a little stronger, but there's no doubt that some of these 6K guys are going to be in the mix. For sure. Let's talk about the bets. Uh, like I said, it's only on a Monday, so and I wanted to kind of dial back my exposure uh, in the betting market because I've been having more success with DraftKings playing golf actually recently, which is really the inverse of most of the time. However, I think this might be something I hit in play or I end up trying to make some like head-to-head bets, uh, round-to-round head-to-head bets, that kind of thing, just using Fantasy National. The data has been really good for this specific event. So having the in-tournament live data from the site is going to be really beneficial in playing two balls and three balls in round two, three, and four, or even trying to pick up a guy halfway through the tournament who's just not putting at all. Like like when we hit JT, or when I hit JT Poston at the, uh, what the hell did he win? Not whatever, whatever Wyndham. Benny on lost because yeah. I needed Benny on badly. Wyndham, he has had a, he had a great Wyndham. ball striking first round, couldn't putt and I picked him up at 110 to one. It feels like that could be this sort of tournament. If one of the very elite guys doesn't win, but tentatively I have Scotty Scheffler 50 to one on the each way co-crack 50 to one with the each way. That is one fourth the bet for a top five finish. And I have uh, Kyle Stanley 125 to one with the each way. I bet Siwoo at 140 because that's the way that it goes. And I have a confession to make, Ben. You ready for this? Um, I, I think I'm ready. I'm prepared. Unless he can finish inside the top. Oh, no. 15. Blacklisted. Uh, if he can't finish inside the top 15 of ball striking this week, Luke List, 160 to 1 with the each way, will be off the FOMO betting list. Wow. That's like me with Peter Uline. I, it's funny. I was going through that this morning. I was thinking about some of the guys that I, you know, some I did stick with, others I didn't. Um, Peter Uline is one that he is wearing thin, as thin as thin could be because he has just been non competitive. Uh, Boy, yeah, I really Scotty Scheffler fifty to one. Um, 
for me, Aaron Wise is just I'm I'm willing to attack it. I don't you usually have better numbers than me. I see him 66 on where I'm looking right now, but uh, yeah, there's some guys. It's wide open. 66 is actually a better number than I see. I see 60 for Aaron Wise right now. Luke List, and the only reason I'm going back to him, he has two top 20s in his past two starts here. So hopefully his his former prowess off the tee returns. He can figure it out. Maybe break even on the greens. Who knows? But He's been so bad since he cashed that 50 to one ticket for us, the PGA championship. <laughs> Maybe it's just like, Hey, I'm in the masters now. This is great. He's just, co- well, you better hope that's not the case. Cause I believe Coke rack will be uh, at Augusta next year. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like I said, you said this right at the beginning of the show and it's worth repeating Brooks, the odds funneled to him. And it really does bolster some of these other guys as we work down. So now he could go out and just kill us all. Maybe those late night blackjack sessions will have him ready to roll, but I don't know. I, I'm more apt to say, you know what, this is a wide open event and I'm going to bet it like that. Yeah. And full fade Brooks DK. Probably. Yeah. Oh, that's not fun. <laughs> no, but I believe me, I'm used to it. I'm, are you kidding me? He's killed me so many times. I, I'll, I, we'll have to see what the ownership is. Obviously if he shrinks down to, really appealing i might get a sliver i just have so many other priorities up top of how i want to construct my lineups i'm looking at ownership projections right now and people are so disinterested in this right now that people haven't even generated lineups yet like calculated ownership like again this is monday afternoon i have brooks at 16 percent. can't lay at 21 see if that's the case then yeah i would i would full probably full fade brooks or come in way under now if he's like eight percent or something maybe i come in closer just because I can live to fight another day. But again, you're paying a premium. We don't know. I do think with Brooks more than other guys, and a lot of people think this, that he sometimes is disinterested. Uh, and he is in Vegas, which can get a little saucy. Oh. Who would you think comes in of the top 20 guys, besides Cameron Champ, who's coming in with like no ownership at this point? So from Coke Rack all the way up to the very top, guess who has the lowest ownership? From Coke Rack all the way to the top, I will say Sneds. Bryson. What? Really? Yeah, I got him right now at 6%. Now that could be completely off because like four people have made picks so far, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, for me, Bryson is, he showed enough. And I, even if he didn't play last week, I would, I would continuously take some flyers on him because when he gets going, he can just win anytime he's out there. It is the first time that he's gained across the board in all four strokes gain metrics since he came second at the 3M. Yeah, that was that was Wolf, right? Yeah, that was Wolf who ended up beating him on that eagle putt that screw my bet on Bryson. But uh, and the last time he did it before that was the week before at Travelers. So it looks like if he can get it going a little bit, like remember for a while the guy couldn't drive the ball whatsoever. Now he's gaining like two and a half strokes per event off the tee. That's so, the thing with Bryson. It's and I don't know if that's because of his whole scientist routine. It seems that he has trouble getting when he's unhinged, getting back and riding the ship. But when he is in a flow, he is unstoppable at times. He is. And just looking at it right now, John Deere Memorial Northern Trust, the year that he won, that was actually POA, Shriners and Dell. Guy wins on Bankgrass, man. He does. Bryson, I... Uh... He's going to be interesting, a wild card for me this week. I'm not sure exactly what I want to do with him, to be honest. Yeah, I made the critical mistake because I, I identified Bryson and Molinari as the two guys that no one was going to own last week. I was like, well, I got to take one of them because they're both awesome. And if one of them pops, I'm going to be great. So, of course, I took Molinari. So, I want to just that made me think of it. Do you ever look? So, they were playing together. You ever have a preference to kind of pair a couple guys up who are playing together? I never, you know what? I never actually look at that. Maybe I should. It never really occurred to me to do it. I do it occasionally. Like in that situation, they're kind of Molinari and Bryson playing together. I kind of liked that last week to maybe pair them up, go against the grain. I do look at that in certain spots. Uh, Don't know if there's anything to it. I'm just kind of interested in your thoughts there. I'm looking at uh, Bryson's career on the PGA Tour. Do you know that he has a top 20 finish in half of his PGA starts? The guy, (laughs) so this is kind of, he's not at the Grayson Murray level, but I will say Bryson with his antics, I think people don't understand that he is a dangerous man when he gets like he ripped off multiple wins. And then, yeah, he even though he's had some rough stretches, it's insane. Some of the things he's done in a pretty short period of time. He has five wins on tour in the past two years. 
Yeah. And that's, people hate him. Yeah. All of this is true. And that's what I'm saying. I, there is something to that. Let's do it. I, I, you know what? I'm going to go with Bryson. There cool. we go. Off, can, off Cantley, on to Bryson. Yep. That, I'm, I'm glad we talked this through. Now watch Cantley win and Bryson. Miss <laughs> yeah, he's going to just first, second, first, and we're going to look like idiots. But <laughs> no, I mean, Bryson, you don't have to convince me tough to, to make a case for him. All right. Ben Graza, you'll be back Wednesday, Wednesday on the DraftKings show for NFL this week. Doubling down, golf and football. I got to get ready. Yeah, I got to uh, get a good rest up next couple of days, and I will be back ready to talk some football. No doubt about it. And you got a ton going on over at Awesome O. So you guys are doing videos all week. I'm guessing, what, what's the most fun one that you do? Is it the golf show or is it the college-like football show? So... The, honestly, the most fun show I do is Fridays, uh, 11 noon, actually, noon Eastern. It's the betting show where we talk the NFL lines, make some picks, have some fun with that, talk Survivor. But we're doing a ton yet, not just the content, the tools, the projections, all, all over there. Have plenty of golf shows, plenty of NFL. NBA is starting, which I won't be terribly involved with. We have some of the best guys in the business, no doubt. So you can use the promo code JazzRaz, hop on over. We would love to see you there. All right, and shout out to Osimo himself for taking uh, taking uh, all the monies this week, or at least last week in DraftKings Golf. He did pretty well in, pretty, did really well in football too, didn't he? He's on a nice little run. It's been a good good little week for for Team Osimo. Now me, I'm dragging us all down, but the rest of the crew has uh, been on a nice tear. So I'm hoping to catch up uh, in the short term here. Uh, maybe maybe usually uh, my guests get the Pat Mayo experience bump. Like when Al won the million bucks or when, you know, Drew, Drew has, well, you got it twice. So yeah, I, mean, I was just say, I, I have the, the owl from dumb and dumber because of that. Um, yeah, I had it back to back. That was amazing. Yeah. You had it back to back weeks. Then you cashed a hundred K at the masters. So that was nice. That was also useful. Yes. Yeah. Drew cashed a hundred K week one when he was on the show and well, did, <laughs> Davis didn't lose the week he was on the show. So that's a big win for him. So okay. I, I just want something to reverse here. Maybe I can get the reverse Mo going on my side. I'm going to give you, there is no such thing as the jazz Raz bump, but we're going to try to institute it right now. So here, here it is. It's coming since I'm on the show twice in the same week. Uh, I think good things are going to be happening. Excellent news. All right. I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me at the PME. I think I forgot to do a giveaway. Uh, how about this? If you've made it this far, smash the like button for the episode. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me uh, who's going to win. Boom. You're in a draw for 20 DK bucks. All right. Become a fan member at Fantasy National today and check out all my work up on DKPlaybook.com. My betting cheat sheet up on Facebook.com slash the PME on Wednesday. All right. Good luck with the Shriners. I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.